Absolutely grateful for your blessing upon us. You guys are, have overwhelmed us by your love and your gifts, your attention, and uh, we're just amazed uh, that God would use you in our lives. Uh, we pray that we'd be able to be used by God in your lives. And so I hope that this morning we'll, we'll be able to be led by the Holy Spirit to communicate his word to you and bless your socks off. Amen. Amen. Genesis 19 is where I want to study. I was in Africa uh, in a place called uh, Yumbe. It's Yumbe district. It's, if you uh, understand Uganda, Uganda is 72% Christianized. But in the north there, it's 95% Muslim. And we were working in that area. We have a good friend by the name of Dr. Juventime who started a hospital there in the middle of nowhere. We, we call it the, the bush bush. You know, if you say the bush, it's out there. But if you say the bush bush, it's really <laughs> deep out there. And so uh, in the Muslim community, we were the only hospital. So they were, you know, they were proclaiming to kill the Christians, you know, the infidels. Uh, but when, when they came to the hospital, they would say, save us, save us. And we said, we're going to pray in Jesus' name. Please do, please do. And so... Many were coming to know Jesus, so Dr. Juventine invited us to disciple them, and God was doing an amazing work, and so I would train them, and after our training, I'd spend months with them, training them in the Word of God, I would challenge them to go back home and start a Bible study, and this one man by the name of John, he's a big, tall guy, and uh, he, he, he has a very deep voice, Pastor Bond, good morning, you know, and, and I'm... <laughs> Dark Vader kind of style, you know. And uh, so, you know, six months later, I come back to Midigo, and he comes to me and he says, Pastor Bourne, I started a Bible study. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited because I, I love to see what God is doing in individuals, especially, the, you know, starting a church plant. And Pastor Bourne, I started a Bible study. And I have 60 members in my Bible study. I go, that's not a Bible study. That's a church, you know? <laughs> and he said to me, he says, you need to come on Sunday morning and teach us the word of God. And I would say, I'd love to come and teach. And I said, uh, what would you like me to teach him? He says, well, I've been doing verse by verse teaching and I'm on chapter 19. So teach chapter 19 now. Of Genesis, and, and, and if you're a student of God's word, you're like, huh? <laughs> Chapter 19, really? Because first impressions are the last impressions, right? And I'm speaking to a new audience, and I'm like, God, do I have to teach chapter 19 to a new audience? And I began to wrestle with God for a message out of chapter 19, and I was just, I did not want to teach what's written there. And I was just, and I'm just sitting there going, oh Lord. Can you give me a word from this chapter, you know, for them, for your people? And, and as God began to minister, he gave me a word that would change my life forever. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to you 
through the message that I'm going to share this morning. So let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and we ask that you would illuminate your word, that you would illuminate it in our hearts, cause it to come alive and, and, and do its work deep within our souls. Open up our spiritual understanding, our spiritual minds, that we could comprehend what you have for us this morning. We pray that you would speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's begin. Chapter 19, verse 1, it says this. The two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. Now you know, now you know why, right? You're like, oh, okay. now you know why I don't want to teach this thing. When, when, when he saw them, he got up to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. My Lord, he said, please turn aside to your servant's house. You can wash your feet and spend the night and then go on your way early in the morning. No, they answered, we will spend the night in the square. But he insisted so strongly that they did not go with him. I mean, they, they did go with him and entered his house. He prepared a meal for them, baking bread without yeast, and they ate. And so we're introduced to these three different characters one is Lot. Uh, Lot is Abraham's nephew. You remember the story of uh, Abraham. Abraham was saved radically from a pagan life by God, and now he's sharing with everybody, including his nephew Lot. In fact, 2 Peter 2.7 says that Lot is a righteous man. He saved man. He's going to heaven, and so we will see Lot there, but he's living in a very difficult area, environment, for sure, to say the least. But he had a privileged life living with Abraham. Everywhere Abraham went, he shared Yahweh. He shared, you know, translated to Jehovah, to, you know, Jesus in our terms. But he shared Yahweh with everyone. You remember he came to Pharaoh. Here's Yahweh. He came to Abimelech. Here's Yahweh. Abraham did a wonderful job with tribesmen, leaders, princes. Everywhere he went, he shared about God. And so Lot had a privileged life living by him and watching him. And God blessed Lot. And so he ended up moving away from Abraham and having his own house. And, and so we find him here in Sodom and Gomorrah here. And then the two men here that are referred to as angels, remember in chapter 18, uh, God shows up to Abraham and he begins to tell him that out of his loins will come uh, the, the future son that would produce the lineage ultimately to Jesus Christ. And so as he's readying himself to leave, he tells Abraham, Abraham, I'm gonna, I'm gonna destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And so he sends these two angels down to Sodom and Gomorrah. And so he begins to have that conversation. You remember that negotiation with Abraham? Abraham says, listen, if there's 50 righteous, would you destroy it? And he says, would not the God of this universe do what's right? You won't destroy it if there's 50 righteous, will you? And he says, no, I won't. And so he negotiates to 10, right? If Lot's done his job, there should be 10 righteous. Right? And so, uh, so he, he's got it down to 10. And so the angels go knowing that there isn't 10. So let's read, continue in the story here. Verse 4, it says, Before they had gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, both young and old, surrounded the house. They called to Lot, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. 
And Lot went outside to meet them and shut the door behind him and said, no, my friends, don't do this wicked thing. Look, I have two daughters who have never slept with a man. Let me bring them out to you and you can do what you like with them. But don't do anything to these men for they have come under the protection of my roof. And so this is the part I don't want to talk about. (laughs) And it's not the point of my message. But I do want to just say this very, very little because it's here in our text. Remember that uh, the Bible is written by Jesus. So don't say that Jesus didn't write it. He, he wrote it. And he wrote Leviticus chapter 18, verse 22, and chapter 20, verse 32, against same-sex relationships. Romans chapter 1, 26 goes on. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10 Uh, Jude, by the way, the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible itself, right? Jude chapter 1 verses 5 and 8 says that this was a sexual issue. It was wrong. And so remember that because modern scholars today want to wash away this whole episode. But Jude makes clarification. He says this is what was happening. And so it is forbidden. But I want to say this because we live in this time, in this era, that Let's remember what Paul the Apostle did in the first century. He was in the Roman Empire. In the Roman Empire, they had huge temples with every sexual immoral thought and act that was going on. Temples galore everywhere in every city and every, you know, highways and byways. There was something going on with sexual immorality. And what did Paul do? Paul traveled the world wide and he preached Jesus Christ and him crucified. He gave him God's love. And it was God's love that radically changed people. Listen, I was the worst sinner. I'm not going to tell you my background. It wasn't this, but it was very, you know, we, we call out different sins, but they're all the same to God. And I lived in a, you know, I lived in the guttermost. And it was God's love that reached me in the guttermost and pulled me out. And then then it was God who radically changed me. It was the power of his Holy Spirit. So let's teach and preach God's great love. We live in an environment where we, 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 you know, we have to be, we have to live in a loving way. But let's give him Jesus and him crucified. And let God do his work. Amen? Amen. Oh my goodness. So I just want to say a little bit about, that's it. Let's move on. (laughs) My, My point is coming up shortly here. Verse 9, the people tell Lot to get out of the way, they replied, and they said, this fellow came here as an alien, and now he wants to play the judge. By the way, anytime you give them Jesus or try to you know, tell them about God's love, that's what they're going to say to you. Yes. Don't judge me, you holier than thou. You know, Get used to it. That's going to happen. <laughs> we'll treat you worse than them. They kept bringing pressure on Lot and moved forward to break down the door. Verse 10, but the men inside reached out and pulled Lot back into the house and shut the door. Then they struck the men who were at the door of the house, young and old, with blindness, so they could not find the door. Now, they could see, but they could not find the door. Right? I love this because when we travel around the world, we get to hear many stories. When Idi Amin was going after the evangelicals, he had surrounded certain churches. 
And I was introduced to this very old saint. He was 85 years old, and he was telling me a story about when they were in the church, Idi Amin surrounded them. And he was coming in there to, to get rid of them. And so they all began to pray. They locked the doors. They had no way to escape. They just began to pray and ask the Lord to give them blindness. Now the soldiers surrounded the whole church and they were looking through the window and everybody was sitting just like you are. And they were like, nobody's here. Nobody is here. Let's move on. It was bad information, right? And you're like, oh my goodness. God is so amazing how he can... Do those. So I always pray when we enter different countries, Lord, blind them to what we're doing. You know, <laughs> South Asia, man, is is uh, you know in certain parts they are they are after us, and we're always Lord, you know, blind them. And usually I pick up Brianna, and that usually does it. Oh, ah, good, you know, <laughs> come on in, you know. And so they, we we were in um, in in Nepal, and I and I have a young man by the name of An, and this church partners with him, a, a great man of God. And he was telling me a story about the mouse when they came and surrounded his home and they were going to kill the Christians. And so that night they were in the house and they were praying that God would deliver them from this, these warring individuals. And the neighbors saw the house surrounded and all the fence, fences were broken down. So the neighbors went and hid. So when it was daylight in the morning, they came and all the fences were broken down and they came and they knocked on the door and everybody in the house was eating breakfast. They were like, what's going on? We saw the men, they surrounded your house and we don't understand why you're still living. And they're like, we didn't hear anything. You know, God rescued them. Whatever God did, he sent the, the mouse away from them. Amazing stories. I, I have a lot of stories like that and uh, it's just wonderful that God still works in the area of miracles. Amen. Amen. The two angels pull, you know, Lot back in and says, close the door. And here in verse 12, the two men said to Lot, do you have anyone else here, son-in-laws, sons or daughters, or anyone else in the city who belong to you? Get them out of here because we're, uh, we are going to destroy this place. The outcry to the Lord against its people is so great that he has sent us to destroy it. Now here's the verse I want to focus on this morning. So Lot went out and spoke to his son-in-laws who were pledged to marry his daughters. He said, hurry and get out of this place because the Lord is about to destroy the city. But his son-in-laws thought he was joking. His son-in-laws thought he was Joking. I think of the most urgent message one has is definitely what Lot has. The urgency of his message is seen by his moving of hand and of course the elevated voice, the, the seriousness of the face. God is going to destroy this place and he's, and he's pleading with his sons and he's, he's saying son-in-laws and, and, and it's the greatest message he's ever had. And he's sharing this message with everything he has. The intensity must have been, uh, you know, expressed through his actions, by his life. I mean, by his, his hand movement, his voice, and just elevation. And, oh, you know, you know, and just yelling. And they thought he was joking. And that began to hit my heart in a powerful way. I wondered if my life was a joke. 
And I began to ponder this word, and I probably read this maybe 50, 60, 100 times, and I never even saw that, ver- that word there. And I began to wrestle with God and ask him, is my life a joke? I'm in Africa, I'm in this hut, and you know, and I'm this grass roof, roof you know, and I'm watching the lizards run across, you know, and, I, and, then, and I'm sitting here going, Lord, is my life a joke? Is my urgent message that comes from my lips a joke? Does my family members see me as a joke? And I began to wrestle with God and God began to wrestle with me and began to just take my life apart. And I was just up into the wee hours just crying out to God saying, Lord, I don't want my life to be a joke. I I want my message to be pure and strong and from you. And as we were walking, my wife and I were walking to the training center. She looks at me and says, man, you you had a rough night? And I said, absolutely, man. So I I shared with her, you know, the the story. And she's, you know, wives are, they're just a matter of fact, right? My wife's like, well, don't waste your life. Thanks, hon, you know. That's why I'm I'm in Africa, you know, (laughs) suffering over here with cold water and no, the bed is like lumber, you know, you know. Don't waste your life. And I remember coming home and I was reading a man by the name of Alan Redpath, you know, and I've heard many of his messages. And so I knew his voice and I read his book. And he was talking about when he was this 20 nothing year old kid going to college. And he's, he was in London and he wanted to see this old preacher. And so he got on the train that, you know, the, the old wooden track train. Takana, 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 takana. We've been on them in India, you know. Takana, takana, takana. You're like, am I ever going to get to sleep? You know, you know. And, and he says he's taking this wood, this wood track train a couple hours to this village to hear this old man. This old man is a fiery British preacher. And the, and the preacher was preaching on this particular message. And he was... You know, he was sharing that Lot was a righteous man. And he had a righteous, you know, uh, character. He was chosen by God and he's going to make it to heaven. But he wasted his life. And the old preacher started going, save life, wasted life. You know how those fiery British Preachers get it, fire, save life, wasted life, you know, and just shouting it out. And, and he's just sitting there going, what the heck, you know, save life, wasted life, you know. And now I'm reading it and I'm like, no, Lord, I don't want to waste my life. And, I, and then, then again, you know, I, I wake up at 2 a.m. in the morning, just startled from those words, save life, wasted life. And I wake up, and my wife, she's looking at me like with her eyes wide open. Right? And she says, saved life, wasted life. And I said, yeah. You know, I don't know what she's doing up at 2 a.m. I don't know. But I said, I don't want to waste my life. I don't want to be a joke. I want to impact the world. I want to impact my family for the sake of Christ. And, you know, all your life you can be a Christian. All your life you can... Praise the Lord with your hands up and sing amen. But you might waste your life here and not impact anybody for the kingdom of God. Listen, Lot had a privileged life in learning from Abraham. 
We, we, you know, we in America have a privileged life. We, we learn from so many. We learn what not to do and what to do. We, we know what we should be doing. And, and I think of Lot here, he knew what to do, but he didn't win anybody to the kingdom of God. He wasted his life. And I thought to myself, Lord, and I, you know, when, when Alan Redpath heard this fiery preacher, he went on the wooden track back home. But it wasn't the sound of the train that he heard. Tack it, attack it, attack it. You know what he heard? Save life, waste of life, save life, waste of life, save life, waste of life. He got home and that big old tower, you know, that bong, bong, that tells the time. Yeah, it wasn't the sound that he heard. Save life, wasted life, save life, wasted life. He fell on his knees and he cried out to God and he said, God, change the direction of my life. Change the direction of my life. And God did. He writes these beautiful commentaries, if you ever read them. And by the way, his message is speaking even as he's dead. He died in the early 80s. And today I'm sharing about him. His message is still impactful. and impacted this man. <laughs> and I cried out the same way that he did. I fell on my knees and I said, God, here I am. Don't, waste, don't let me waste my life. Don't let the cares of this world choke out you in my life. You know, there, there's so many examples I can use to offend you <laughs> this morning. <laughs> How things choke out your life, right? But I'm going to let the Holy Spirit do his work <laughs> and not take that route. But there are things that are just in our way. It's clogging up our lives. And we're wasting it. And my prayer this morning is that your life would not be a joke. That your life would not be wasted. It's beautiful to watch as many of you are using your talents and gifts here at the church. Whether it's ushering or women's Bible study or doing sermons and you know, home fellowships like Chuck over here and his wife. They, they, they do these home fellowships. I love it. Get involved. There's so much to do in the kingdom of God in this church, right? Uh, you know, I, I want God to do something so wonderful. I, I figure he brought me from India to Santa Rosa. That means he wants me to do something here. You guys, I can't do it alone. <laughs> I need your prayers. I need you to come side by, I, I need to come to your side and you need to come to my side and let's get them to plow together and plow for the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. I don't want to waste my life. And when this, this message was finally completed, like right now, it's, you know, I remember I said to the Lord, this is going to change me forever. And it did. It changed my life forever. And ever since this time, God has been using me even more. And throughout all the world, as you know, we traveled all over. We traveled to China, to India, to Nepal, Tanzania, all over Africa. Tanzania, Uganda, Kenya. Everywhere we went, we shared the gospel because of what God had done that night under the, my tukul, you know, the, the grass root. 
roof that are just sitting there. And then the Lord spoke to me and said, don't waste your life. Be sold out for me. The application is really simple. Amen. I pray that you get it right. Don't waste your life. Let's continue. And we'll close out with these final verses. It says there in verse 15, with the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot saying, hurry, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away with the city uh, with, when the city is punished. When he hesitated, I don't even know, what, what, what's his problem? What do you mean hesitated? <laughs> when he hesitated, you know, I see black, you know, when I saw the fires burning here and I saw the clouds, I said, hey, Pastor Ross, can we go on vacation? I went out of this place, man. What the heck goes on over here in Northern California? You know, <laughs> you know, it doesn't take a you know a rocket side to figure out. It's getting dark. It's you know thundering. It's starting to roar. You know, I'm like, get me hesitate. What? When verse 16. When he hesitated, the men grasped his hand like a parent to a kid. Right? They grabbed his hands and the hands of his wife and of two daughters and led them safely out of the city. For the Lord was merciful to them. Amen. That's a great word there. Amen. As soon as they had brought them out, one of them said, flee for your lives. Don't look back and don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. But Lot said to them, no, my lords, please. Your servant has found favor in your eyes and you have shown great kindness to me in sparing my life, but I can't flee to the mountains. This disaster will overtake me and I'll die. Look here, is a town near enough to run to? And it is small, let me flee to it. It is a very small, isn't it? Then my life will be spared. He said to him, very well, I will grant, grant this request to I will not overthrow the town you speak of, but flee there quickly because I cannot do anything until you reach it. By the way, I love that. That's a principle in prophecy, right? The righteous must be taken out before judgment comes, right? Very, that's another sermon for another day. Anyways, that's all. <laughs> that, he says, that is why the town was called Zor. Verse 23. By the time Lot reached Zor, the sun had risen over the land and the Lord rained down burning sulfur and Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. Thus, he overthrew those cities and the entire plain, including all the living in the city and also the vegetation in the land. Verse 26, you hate to read this part, but Lot's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. The idea behind there is she was worried about her belongings, her material wealth, right? So I can say that to you. Is that what's holding you back from serving the Lord? She looked back when they informed all of them, don't look back. She did, and she turned into a pillar of salt. By the way, the book of wisdom, you know, written around the first century, speaks of that time. The first century, Clemens of Rome wrote about the pillars of salt, Josephus, Irenaeus, they all wrote about what they saw during the first century. This is, this is proof that there were these, and they describe it as human being features of salt pillars. And they were there. It isn't mythology. This is truth. That we might examine ourselves through God's word and say, hey, this truth should speak to us pretty powerfully. This is historical evidence. These writers write about this time. They say, hey, these things were there 
during our time, you know, and they write it down for us to read this morning and say, wow, God is amazing and powerful and yet gracious, but yet judgment, judgment does exist. But Lot's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and returned to the place where he had stood before the Lord. He looked down towards Sodom and Gomorrah, towards all the land of the plain, and he saw dense smoke rising from the land like smoke from a furnace. He realized that there wasn't 10 righteous. I pray within our circle, we can bring 10 to the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. Some of you can do a lot more, right? Uh, it, it, Gifford Anderson, you know, he's here this morning. He, was, he texted me a message last night. He's like, you know, God gave me this gift, and, but he's given you the gift of evangelism. But he sent this man to me, and I'm going to bring him to church so you can preach to him. All right, now God's going to give you different giftings, brother. <laughs> God's going to use you. And he's like, oh, you know, we all say that, right? No, not me, Lord, not me, right? You think it's easy for me to come up here and share this morning? You think it's easy for me to go up and share on the highways and byways? You think it's easy for me to go to Africa and, or India or Nepal or China? China? No. But I get up and go because the Lord asked me. You know, it's not easy. But I understand gifting and God's given me a gift. I want to influence just not 10, but the whole city of Santa Rosa. Amen. Oh my goodness. Wouldn't that be like, wow, Lord, we've seen it, right? I walked into villages in Nepal and preached the gospel where all the elders gave their lives to Jesus. Right? The whole village saved. I, I've seen them. I read it in history, the great revivals. We doubt it, but I don't. If God wants to do something marvelous, oh, I'm so ready for that. And I want to reach more than 10. I want to reach more. I want to reach more for the glory of Jesus Christ. I don't want to waste my life. And I don't want anyone to think that I'm a joke. Amen? I may joke a lot, but, but, I, but when it comes to the word of God, I don't want anyone to say, Bon, you're a joke. I want my words to be used by the Holy Spirit that goes deep within humanity and begin to do that radical change. Amen? Amen. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful for your word. I am... Sure, there are many here, Lord Jesus, that have that same heart that I had that says, Lord, I don't want to be a joke. I don't want to waste my life. And those I want to pray for right now, Lord Jesus, I want to pray that you would encourage them right now to be bold and courageous, to step forth and to do something magnificent for your glory, Lord. Something that you can only do supernaturally by going in them and doing that work through them. I pray for them right now, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would awaken us from our slumber, that you'd put us back to work again, Lord, for your glory. Lord, we give you our lives. We don't want to be a joke. We don't want our words or our lives to be a joke. Help us to be sincere in our faith. Help us to be working out, Lord, your truth in our lives that others could see your great love through us. Pour out your spirit afresh upon us. We love you. We magnify you. We bring you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 
You've been listening to The Rocks Podcast. Our current service is held on Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you'd like to learn more, please visit our website at cctherock.org.